Well, if, uh, if you have your Bibles, we are going to be in, uh, in 1 Samuel, if you want to flip there. But I want to start off uh, with, with a few things before we get there, because we started talking last week about the idea of what if. And you can follow along in the notes again if you're watching online or you're here and you've got, uh, you've got maybe a, a phone or, or a, an iPad or something like that and you want to follow along, you can follow the notes uh, right there in the Bible app. If you have the Bible app, just go to events, look for Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and, uh, and you can follow along right there. But we talked last week about the what-if questions that we have in life, and I started with what would be, I would think, probably considered one of the biggest, which is what if the worst happens? And we all define that differently, maybe, uh, in terms of what if the worst happens. Um, and we ended with this idea of flipping the what if to even if. And that even if the worst happens, we are trusting that Jesus is in control, and we know that we can trust him. And we know that. And if you don't know that today, I hope that you walk out of today knowing that you can trust Jesus with anything and everything that's going on. But the what if questions that we have in life, a lot of us have asked many what if questions over the last eight months. Um, many questions that we didn't think we were going to have to ask. Um, a lot of us have been struggling maybe with this for years. Uh, some of us are worry warts, and, and we ask these what-if questions all the time. But what-if questions have a way of messing with our mind and messing with our peace of mind and leaving us very unsettled. And it, even some of us are, are kept awake at night by some of these questions, and especially with some of the things happening right now. But what if we addressed some of these what-if questions in a way that, that's better than just addressing it in a way that sounds good, but in a way that actually makes an impact on our life and the way in which uh, our relationship with God uh, is, is maybe even changed because of that in a way that really makes a difference in our daily lives. That's really what I'm praying that this series can be for each and every one of us over the next couple of weeks. And so I have some personal what-if questions. I don't know if you do, um, but I, I would say these maybe would fall in the category of potentially even like regret, those kinds of what-if questions. When you think back about maybe things in your life, like uh, many of you know that, uh, and maybe some of you don't, that um, I, I originally wanted to be an animator for the Disney company. That's what I wanted to do growing up until I was like 19. I thought that that's what I was going to do. And so there are times, I'll be honest with you, where I still ask, well, what if I would have went to CalArts and I would have been an animator for Disney? And what if my mom didn't think California was going to fall off and she would have let me go there? <laughs> Who knows? I probably wouldn't be here right now. I'll say that. What if, uh, what if I would have played baseball in high school? And what if I would have been able to, to get to the majors and come up short in the World Series for the Indians over and over again? <laughs> baseball is my favorite sport. Um, and, and so there are definitely some, some aspects of me that I'm like, man, what, what if I actually would have played when I was in high school? Because I didn't, and, and I, I guess I should have. What if, what if I maybe became best friends with like somebody at Lucasfilm and I got to be in an episode of The Mandalorian or in one of the Star Wars movies? And what if they made a, um, like an action figure of me? That would be cool, right? <laughs> but I'm trailing off here, so come back to reality for a second. But, you know, we have these what-if questions in our life, and some of these are fun. You know, obviously, I'm getting to kind of the, the fun what-if questions, if you will, um, that, that we can look at, because, you know, when you're not really worried about reality when I'm asking these questions. These things aren't reality, necessarily. But you can dream, and, you know, the what-if opens up possibilities. It, it can open up possibilities for us. But what about this one? This is one that I think applies to all of us, whether you think so right now or not, I'd be willing to bet by the time we're done, 
you're going to see how this does apply to you, and it's this. What if I didn't care what other people thought about me? What if I didn't care what other people thought about me? Now, I'm gonna, we're going to frame this a little better as we progress through the morning. But what if, what if I didn't care what other people thought about me? How would my life be different if I had self-confidence in who I am? What, how would my life be different if, if, you know, maybe what I look like and, and, you know, really understanding who God made me to be and, and my beliefs and my passions and, and, and my life's calling? How would my life be different? These are the questions I want you to ask yourself right now. How would your life be different if you didn't care what other people thought about me? You know, some, some of my regrets that I have, uh, you know, one of my regrets in high school, is, as I mentioned, was that I didn't play baseball uh, in high school. And, and, you know, the reason that I didn't is, and, and because I, I like playing, I'm not some, like, um, amazing or, or anything. I'm not like Mikey. He was incredible in high school. Um, but at the same time, I knew I probably could have hung with everybody if I would have played. I would have been able to play a little bit. But you know why I didn't? That. That's exactly why I didn't. Granted, I was in band and I was in art and I was in a few other things and all that. But I also was thinking that those things would disqualify me from that because I cared too much about this. And you might be thinking, okay, I guess he's just talking to the teenagers today. I'm not. I'm not talking to just the teenagers today. Because I think all of us deal with this way more than we want to give, uh, than we want to admit. All of us deal with this in a lot of ways. It's just as you get older, you get better at hiding it. But teenagers, if, if you're watching or you're, or you're listening to me, let me just tell you, this doesn't go away. I'd love to tell you that it does, and I know a lot of the focus on something like this gets pinned on, on you guys and toward you guys and peer pressure and all that stuff. I'd love to say peer pressure stops when you're like 18 or something. It doesn't. All right, spoiler alert, it doesn't. You just, I guess you get better at dealing with it or hiding it. But think about it. Think about it if you cared more about what God thought than about what other people thought. We are living in a world right now where, you're, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all of that stuff, how many of us are like, looking? how many likes did I have on this? And all of those kinds of things. And this person said this about what I posted, and I gotta make sure that this picture, I'm in the exact right position because of what everybody will think about me. And all of those kinds of things, right? It's why we do the angles up like this or whatever, um, you know, because we care about what other people think. But I would even propose that it's deeper than that. It's more than just social media. And I know some of you are laughing because you're like, that's exactly how I take my pictures. Um, but it's more than that, right? The things that we talk about, the, the movies that we go see uh, when we were loud, the stuff that we watch, the sports teams that we cheer for, the clothes that we wear, there is a whole lot wrapped into us caring more about what other people think than we would be willing to admit. We care a whole lot about what other people think. You act a certain way, a ton of what you do, a ton of what we do, is because of what we think other people think about us. And like I said, peer pressure is not something that goes away. We think of that specifically with students and kids, but it's, it's not exclusively their issue. It's not. Peer pressure, it's the expectation to do something because, of, because your friends or those that, are, that you're looking to are doing it. That's essentially what that is. And, and it's not always a bad thing because sometimes it can push us to do, you know, to maybe step out of our comfort zone and do something that, that we should have done or, or should be doing. But there is a story in the Bible that actually deals with this that maybe you really didn't think about it this way in the, in the way we're going to look at it that deals with this what if. And it is in the book of 1 Samuel, 
chapter 17, and it might be a familiar story to you. I hope it's a familiar story to a majority of you, um, but you may not be familiar with it. It is the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath, it's a, it's a story that, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like it's one of those, that whether you've grown up in church or not, you, you at least have the gist of maybe what this story is about because it's, it's used in various, various things. But we're going to look at it, I hope, in a fresh way for you today that, that can maybe challenge you in, in a way that pushes you closer to God and, and maybe get you a little further from this and a little closer to caring more about what God thinks. And so let me set up the story just for you just a little bit. David is uh, the, the, the armies of the Philistines and, um, and Israel are, are fighting, but they're really kind of at a standoff in, in some ways. And you've got uh, David who is in the service of King Saul. Now, this is not Saul that we talked about when we were going through our Back to Normal series. Saul apparently was, a, you know, a lot of people had that name. This is a completely different Saul. This is Old Testament. This is thousands of years before. Um, this is King Saul of Israel. Um, and David is in his service at the time. And David is his harp player. Um, and he, is, uh, he, he had come to visit his brothers and, and some things like that. But, but at this point, the, the king actually just said, I want him to, to just be in, in the court with me and play harp when, when I've got a headache. And, and there's some other things in there too. And about him, him being you know, kind of tortured by, uh, by you know, things going on in his head and all of that. And so David was there playing harp to like bring peace to him, which is an interesting dichotomy when you see what happens here as we, as we go forward with the story. And so we're going to be starting in verse 4 in 1 Samuel 17, and I'm the New Living Translation uh, for, for the day, just so you know. It says this, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel, and he was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of the spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So I've got a feeling that when all the soldiers of Israel kind of heard all this going on, that they kind of looked at each other uh, and they were waiting for someone else to step up. I don't think any of them, and boy, can we all relate with that too. You see something's going on, you're like, boy, somebody should take care of that. It's not me, um, you know? I think that's kind of what was going on here. And, and they were terrified and deeply shaken, as it says there at the end. Yeah, I bet they were. But let's get back to this question here for a quick second. What if I didn't care what other people thought about me? Now, we're going to take this question and relate this to the story because what if, what if someone were to stand up to this giant? What if someone, despite what everyone else thought, were to stand up to this guy? Well, we know someone did, and we know his name is David. We know that. He was just a shepherd. He was a shepherd boy. He was, he was a teenager, essentially. He was just visiting his brothers, and as, as I told you, and then was kind of pulled into service for the king, and he was willing to stand alone and to stand up to the giant and to fight. 
And so what would this mean for you if we were to answer this question and we would use the lessons that we learned from David in terms of what if I didn't care what other people thought? And what I'm inferring here is meaning what if I cared more about what God thought? What, what would that look like for me as a follower of Jesus when it comes to this what if question? Well, here would be the first one. I would stand for what I believe. I would stand for what I believe. See, David did not like the fact that Goliath was defying God. He didn't like it at all. Take a look at this in verse 26. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? David was fired up. He was like, nuh-uh. Who's this guy think he is? He was more concerned about what God thought than what other people thought. He was more concerned about the glory of God as opposed to himself. Think about what you believe. Think about what you really believe and about what you value and you consider worth standing for. David didn't have to think twice. He knew exactly where he stood. He knew exactly what he believed, and he knew exactly who Goliath was taunting and what this really meant. And we have to consider these things. We have to consider the things, especially the last few weeks and months. And unfortunately, as we see where our world is heading and even where our country is heading, we may have to consider some of these things because it's hitting a little more close to home than probably we thought we were in for. We may have to consider some of these things a little more as things move forward. Have you considered really what you value, where you stand when it comes to the things of God as opposed to the things of yourself? Have you considered those things? Another aspect of this that we can learn is that I would be willing to stand alone. I would be willing to stand alone. Sometimes, sometimes, nobody else is willing to fight. In this particular story, we see no one else was willing to fight. But David, he offers to go. He was fired up. He was like, nobody's talking about my God this way. And he was willing to go. He's like in 10th grade. He's 135 pounds soaking wet, right? He could care less about what was popular. And he cared more about what was right. He was willing to risk his life. Even though everybody else thought he was crazy, he was willing to stand alone. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 32 here. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. He's like, let's do this. He was ready to throw down right then, right there. Why? Because he was solid in his convictions. He knew what he believed. He knew what was right. And he knew who was behind him. He knew the power of God was going to lead him out there, and he knew that God was going to be with him. You know, it's one thing to say, somebody should do something about this. And it's quite another to say, I'm going to do something about this. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be the latter. We are called to be leaders. Just like David was a leader. He was a leader. Someone who didn't care what other people thought as much as he cared about doing what was right and standing for what was right. And so what if you stood alone? What if you had to stand alone in whatever is going on in your life right now? And you may already feel like you are. You may be to a place where, where you have to do that because sometimes in life you're going to have to make a choice. 
as I mentioned a minute ago, we may be getting to a place in our country where we may have to make a choice. We may have to start making a choice about what's right and about what God thinks more than what anybody else thinks. And the choice you may need to make may leave you standing alone, may, may leave us as a church standing alone. But just like David, we might need to stand alone in our faith when other Christians sit down. We might need to stand alone when everybody else is afraid or when everyone else is weak, maybe paralyzed by the pressure. David stood up to face the giant, and I hope that you will too. David stood up to the giant when everyone else was afraid, and the crazy thing about David standing up to the giant was that logically, this made no sense, right? Goliath against him, right? We know he's nine feet tall. He's huge. All of his armor and his stuff weighs more than David combined, and that's not putting the person in it, right? The weight of his armor and all of this stuff. Goliath was bigger. He was more skilled at killing. He was also bigger. And did I say how much bigger he was? He was huge, right? Like, if you're going with, like, sports stats, this is like 10,000 to nothing, okay? David had never fought in battle to this point. He had, he, he had not much experience there, if at all, He'd killed, as, we, as we'll see here in a minute, he'd, he'd killed like a, a lion and, and some bears and stuff, which I've never done that, I don't know about you. But at the same time, Goliath, he was a professional killing machine, you know? He had killed thousands of people. He was the champion of the champions. But David stood up to him. I like to think that this story, and this is just me for a second, I like to think that this story may have happened on a Sunday because of that whole phrase, any given Sunday, I feel like may have come from this. I don't know. It just makes sense to me. But the giant or giants in your life and in my life may not be a huge warrior beast man like this. But it may feel that way. It may carry the same weight. Some of the things that are, that are going on in your life destroyed a lot of lives because nobody maybe stood up to those particular giants. There's a quote that I've, I've seen used by various leaders from Rick Warren to Louis Giglio and, and, a, and a few other people. I don't really know exactly where this quote came from, but it applies so perfectly to this story and where we are right now and moving forward, and it says this. If we live for man's approval, we will die from man's rejection. Think about that. If we live for man's approval, we will die from man's rejection. A lot of us are headed here because we're too worried about here. We're too worried about man's approval, and we're not nearly as concerned as we should be about God's approval. Many of the things going on in our world and in our country today are proof of this. You might be a student right now, and your giant is peer pressure, and the things that you're going through right now, you may be, you may be filled Feeling, feeling pressured to, to have sex or send pics or, or do drugs or lie or cheat or whatever. I'm just going to call it like it is. You may be pressured into those things, and you may be feeling that, and that may be a giant that you are trying to face in your life right now because you're too worried about people's approval as opposed to God's approval. But you may be an adult here, and you're dealing with some of the same things because, like I said, adults, we still have peer pressure, <clears throat> we're just, some of us are better at hiding it than others. Or we get a little accustomed to it, if you will. 
Not something we all want to get used to, but it kind of is what it is. It may be something like standing up for Christian values that feels like a giant for you. It may be a toxic relationship that you need to walk away from, and you know how hard that might be. It might be fear. It might be, it might be acceptance of other people. It might be anger. I'd be willing to bet, though, I would be willing to bet that the root of whatever the giant is that you're facing right now, I bet you that the root of that comes from a place of feeling rejected by people. I bet you it comes from a place of feeling rejected by people because this is something that we all struggle with. We don't always make the best decisions when we're trying to avoid rejection, do we? When we're trying to avoid rejection, we don't make good decisions. Do we forget that Jesus never rejects us, ever? Can I say that again? Jesus never rejects us, ever. If that's not an amen statement, I don't know what is, right? We're allowed to say amen here, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. At the same time, though, we should be willing to stand with others. What I don't want you to hear from this, I need to sidebar for a quick second and, and address something just for a quick second. What I don't want you to hear is that we're, we're saying, I don't care at all what other people think about me. That's not, where we're, that's not where I'm headed with this. Sometimes we need to stand with others. And from a gospel perspective, loving other people perspective, we should care what other people think for the sake of the gospel, but that cannot overshadow what God thinks. That cannot overshadow what God thinks. And, and here's the difference. When God puts an opportunity in front of us, do we consider how we will look or come across, or do we consider what God thinks and what God wants? What is our priority here? The last thing that we should do, or that, that the Bible's saying that we should do, or what I'm saying that we should do, is completely write off the way in which we come across to others or the way in which we treat others. That still definitely matters. We want to be kind and compassionate and respectful and, and think of others and stand with others, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Another advantage of being in a life group is this. If you're not in a life group, I cannot encourage you enough to be a part of one of those because, because these are the kinds of things that, that come along with that. But the way in which we treat others and we make decisions about how we treat others should be framed in the context of Philippians 2, which is exactly how we have uh, framed and, and done everything in, in terms of our response to COVID and the reason and why we're doing things like this and that we're still doing these things. It's not because we want to, it's because we're following what God says, because what he says matters more than what we think. Your opinion on this doesn't matter to me nearly as much as God's opinion on how we should treat others. Philippians 2, take a look at this. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do we see that? Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. It's exactly why we're mandating these things. Because we're helping to look for the interest of others. The last thing I want to have to do is shut the church down again. We want to look out for the interest of others. And we want to be able to worship. And as I've mentioned, if, if this is the only thing that we have to do so that we can get together and worship, I'll throw it on for an hour. 
It's worth it because we can come together. It's not like we're in some communist or third world country where we're potentially going to be killed for preaching the word of God and getting together. And we need to praise God and thank God for that. Even in the midst of maybe the turmoil that's happening within our country right now, there's still no other country I'd rather be living in, regardless of who's in the White House. What I'm not saying is that we treat other people terrible. What I'm not saying is that if they disagree with us, that we just throw caution to the wind. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what this is saying. We are certainly called to love and accept people regardless because Jesus loves and accepts all people. And how quickly we forget that too. But he doesn't accept our sin and he doesn't accept our rebellion. There are consequences for the bad choices that we make. There are consequences. There are consequences for following our own selfish desires. But that doesn't mean that God is leaving us hang out to dry, and we shouldn't do that with our, within not only our church family, but with other people as well. So that's not what I'm saying, because there's nothing you can do to make God love you more or love you less. You've heard that many times, and that's always going to be true. He loves and accepts you just as you are, but not your sin. And so we need to remember that God loves and accepts us and let that reflect in the way that we battle our giants and let that reflect in the way that we treat other people. Look at this statement. It says this, rejected people reject people. Loved and accepted people love and accept people. Think that through for a minute. See, followers of Jesus should love and accept people because we are loved and accepted. And we should understand this idea better than anybody. There there should be no other group of people on the planet that understands this idea better than the church. What if you didn't hear the voice of rejection? Because I fear that a lot of us are listening too much to the voice of rejection in our life. What if the only voice you heard was the voice of God the Father? What if, what if you were able to put aside all of the other voices and listen to just the words of God the Father? What, what if you were able to just hear his love and acceptance? Maybe you need to hear that God says that you are loved and that you are worthy and that you are valued and you are cherished and that you are chosen and that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High King. Maybe we need to remember and remind ourselves of those things a little bit more and care more about what he thinks than about what other people think. Just like David, we need to stand for what we believe in and know what we believe. We need to be willing to stand alone. And finally, what if I didn't care what other people thought about me? Well, I would stand tall. I would stand tall. Or maybe I would, another way to put it, I would stand strong. I would stand strong. We need to be a leader. The church should be leaders. We should be leading here. Leaders know what they believe, and they're willing to stand alone when they need to, and they're confident, and they stand tall. And we can be confident in the one that we know is in control of everything. Let's keep reading here. We continue the story in verse 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. 
But David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. I feel like he probably said it like that, like, all right, whatever, kid, may God be with you. This kid's going to get smeared, you know. That's, I mean, that's more or less exactly what he was saying there. But how awesome is this? See, David is, rem- is reminding Saul and reminding himself of the past faithfulness of God and the power of God that he knows is going to carry him through as he moves forward. You want to talk about standing strong in the face of the king, standing strong. David remembers God's strength. And if we truly live like we didn't care what other people thought as much as what God thought, we would stand tall, we would stand against the giants that we face, and we would be filled with God's power and strength to stand against those giants. So here's the cool part. If you didn't know, David actually kills Goliath. Spoiler alert, I'm sorry if you didn't know the end of this. I just ruined it for you. But it's okay, you probably knew that. He takes down the giant with one stone, right? Boom, hits him, takes him down, takes Goliath's sword and cuts his head off. Chops his head off, and this teenager leads this army to a huge victory. And to some degree, this is one of the key moments of David's life because this moment This story is really what solidified the character of this man moving forward. And David didn't just stop at standing up. He stood tall, he stood strong, and others began to follow him. And it made a difference. He becomes king later on, but it started with this story that God used to define his character. David had his fair share of problems as he moved forward, without a doubt. To be sure, he was not perfect. He made some really stupid decisions moving forward. But I want you to look at how God describes David here in Acts chapter 13. God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That is a description that I hope comes to fit you and me as we do our best to serve our Heavenly Father. And so let's take this what if question and let's flip it. Let's flip it to even if. We talked about that last week and want to do that again today. Let's let's not look at this as a what if. Let's look at it as an even if, which is the connection point for the morning. Even if others don't approve, will I trust that God approves? Will I trust that God approves? You should. Because if you're standing for what's right, if you're standing for the word of God, standing for what God says, not what you say, not what other people say, but what God says. What if you cared more about what God thought? That's really what I'm getting at here. What if every minute of every day, what if every decision that we were looking at, we put through the lens of Jesus and say, what does God think about this? How much would that change your daily life. 
may change it a little bit, may change it a lot. But I promise it'll, it'll help you rethink the way things work in your life and rethink the decisions that you make going forward. I don't know what's going to happen with your what-if questions that you have. I know we all walked in here with what-if questions, and we're going to walk in here next week with them as well. They're not going away anytime soon. There are a lot of what-ifs in life, but I trust that you'll care a little bit more about what God thinks than about what other people think, and that you'll stand up for what you believe, and you'll stand alone if you need to. You'll know that you have a church family that will stand with you when you need to, because that's what, that's what the church is all about, standing together. But you'll stand strong for Jesus this week, maybe even today, maybe this afternoon. You may be in a spot where you have to where you have to put this into practice immediately. Do you know, Jesus, he stood alone for you and for me when he was flogged. And he stood alone when he was put through trials. And in, in a very real sense, he was nailed alone for you and for me. Yeah, there were thieves on the left and right of him but I can't imagine that he didn't feel more alone. Especially in the moment when God the Father, it says he turned his back on him. You, you have probably felt alone in, in your life. Some of you may feel alone right now. Some of you watching at home, you may feel completely alone. I promise you, you've never felt as alone as Jesus felt that moment when God turned his back on his only son while he was hanging on that cross. And he did that for you. He did that for you because he loves you that much. More than you will ever be able to get your head around. And so, I'm going to do my best to care more about what God thinks than about what anybody else thinks. Because I don't know anybody other than Jesus who is willing to give their life for a sinner like me and I owe him everything. We all do. So what if I didn't care what people thought about me as much as what God thought about me? Let's be more like David. Let's be more, more like Jesus. Can you bow your heads with me? God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he's not leaving you to stand alone, even though we may need to stand alone, you better believe that he's right there with you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is gonna give you the power and the ability and maybe the words that you need to say to face your giants. You are never facing your giant alone, though it may feel like it. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of us here or watching may even be wrestling with the fact that you don't even feel like God is with you right now. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you've yet to put your trust in him. Can I just tell you that he can take your what-if questions and turn them into even-if questions? And even if this or that happens, that you can trust that he will be there with you to face that giant. And if you want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you, either down front here or at the orange wall, after the service, there will be some people there. Or if you're watching online, you can go to connectchurch.xyz next. 
and get more information about that, reach out to us. We'd love to connect with you in that way. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the day that you've given us and for this opportunity to come together here, Lord, and I thank you that you are so clear on your values and your purpose for our life. And God, we need you so much. We are so, um, we are so fallible and we are, we are sinful, Lord, and, and I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we've cared more about what other people think than about what you think. I know that I have. I know that there's been plenty of times, even this week, that I've, I've cared more about what other people thought than about what you've thought. Help us to evaluate every decision that we make moving forward through the lens of Jesus. And Lord, if there's one here or one watching that doesn't know you, Lord, maybe they, they can't quite get their head around that. Father, a place to start is having a relationship with you so that the power of the Holy Spirit can move through their life as it does through all of us who are called by your name. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move in a powerful way through those that, that maybe still need to make a decision to put their trust in you and to know for sure that they're going to have eternity, uh, eternal life with you. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would, would really dive into this idea of, of who, whose opinion matters most as we move forward and as we walk out of this place and as we go into this week. Father, I pray that you would protect us and keep us safe. We love you in Jesus' name.